Dwight had lost everything. The church, Sunday school, and the YMCA were all burned in the great fire. And now he was waiting to see what God wanted him to do. And that is when he received a letter. Welcome back to Church History Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lee Siemens, and today we're concluding our story of Dwight Moody, who we know today as D.L. Moody. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Alexander Henry Coffee. If you use the code CHURCHHISTORY, all lowercase and no spaces, you can receive a 20% discount. If you want some great coffee, check it out. My husband roasts the coffee, and let me tell you, our home smells amazing. I'm drinking his coffee right now as I record this, and the taste is so smooth. So check out the link in the show notes. Dwight didn't know where God wanted to use him. It felt as if he was starting all over again. And that is when he received a letter from three friends asking him to come to England to preach. They would get a large conference ready, and they would send money. Ira was excited and willing to go with him. But as Ira and Dwight began to prepare, they were waiting for the money for the trip to arrive. It never came. Ira was ready to cancel the trip. He said, I don't think they still want us to come. We have not heard from them. No money has come. They've changed their minds. We have to come up with a different plan. But Dwight said, I think God wants us in England. So Dwight used the last of his money and took his family and Ira's family, and they boarded a ship heading to England, believing that the men would have the meetings ready and places for them to stay. However, when they arrived in England, there was no one there to greet them. Dwight used the last of their money to check into a hotel, and that is when he learned that all three of the men had died in three separate situations. There was no meetings planned. No money, no housing situations prepared for them. They had spent all their money coming to England, and they didn't even have enough money for the hotel. What were they going to do? That is when William found a letter in his coat pocket from a man named George Bennett. George Bennett ran a YMCA, and he asked if Dwight would stop by if he happened to be in York. There you go. That's where we will go. We're going to York to visit this man named George Bennett. So they headed that way. George Bennett was a chemist who ran a small YMCA group above his chemist shop. Ira and Dwight have been preaching to thousands in America. But at this first meeting in England, there were eight people. Eight people sitting in a small room above a chemist office. But Dwight preached and Ira sang as if thousands were there. The next day, twelve people came. Day after day, they preached and sang, and soon hundreds were coming to Christ and getting saved. The meetings were moved to larger and larger buildings. Every time, the building was full to capacity. The media began to take notice of these large gatherings. But this is the same media that attacked William Booth in our episode about the Salvation Army. 
William Booth had established the Salvation Army in 1865, just seven years before Dwight's meeting. If you want an idea of how unethical the media in England was and how unfair their attacks on Christianity was, go back and listen to that episode. The media attacked Dwight with great force. They mocked him because he was American. He had terrible grammar. He was not a trained preacher. He was a shoe salesman. Dwight was made to look like a low-class ignorant fool. And anyone willing to listen to him was a fool. Dwight found this hard to read. He felt ashamed of his past. But one day, when a reporter made fun of him to his face about his bad grammar, Dwight answered, True, I don't have good grammar. But see here, young man, you seem to have good grammar enough. What are you doing for God with your good grammar? The reporter didn't have anything to say and walked away. One of the things that Dwight did was hold meetings for children. One meeting he held for children had over 14,000 children come and hear him preach. Eventually, Dwight and Ira and their families headed back to America. In 1875, Dwight bought a home in Northfield, Massachusetts. And as that as his home base, Ira and Dwight headed out to hold evangelical meetings in Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and New York. For two years, Dwight preached almost every day. Every time he preached, the crowds would fill the space to capacity. December 29, 1876, Dwight learned that a very close friend of his who had been serving with him was killed in a train accident. Dwight found the death of this friend very hard, and like the Great Fire of Chicago, it reminded him that we never know if we will have a tomorrow. And he preached even more. Today is the day to repent. Come to Christ today. Dwight and Ira then preached in Chicago and Boston. Returning to the places where Dwight had first started his adult life. Then the next year, they preached in the New England cities. In 1879, Dwight and Emma had their third child, a little boy named Paul Dwight. That year, Dwight felt called to give the young ladies a place to learn about God. And Emma helped him and they worked together and founded the Northfield Seminary for Young Women. Emma was very involved in this project. Then, in 1884, Dwight launched the first Northfield Bible Conference. Ira and Dwight then preached in California for a year, while starting the Mount Hermon School for Young Men. Then from 1881 until 1884, the two families traveled through the British Isles preaching. When they returned to America two years later, Dwight founded the Chicago Evangelical Society. This would later become the Moody Bible Institute, the great Christian university still operational today, started by someone with a grade 5 education. Then, they returned to the British Isles to preach for another year. But then, in 1892, Dwight visited the Holy Land. At this point in time, there was a group of Christian men who were starting a campaign to reclaim the Holy Land of Israel for the Israel people. We're going to talk more about that in the new year. But Dwight visited the Holy Land 
and was impacted by how depressing and deserted the land was. It was as if the whole land was a field of dead bones spoken of in Ezekiel, the valley of dry bones. We can see today the miracle that God has done, bringing Israel back to life, as spoken by the prophet Ezekiel, making Israel the beautiful land for the Jewish people. But in 1892, on Easter Sunday, Dwight traveled to Calvary's Hill. He walked up the hill, and there, where Jesus had been crucified, he preached a gospel sermon. In 1893, America was celebrating the 400-year anniversary of Christopher Columbus's arrival to the New World in 1492. Chicago was the city picked for this great celebration. The fair was called the World Columbus Exposition, although everyone eventually called it the Chicago World Fair. And that's the name that stuck. 43 countries were represented. 27,300,000 people came to that fair. People lined up to take a ride on the first ever Ferris wheel invented by George Washington Gale Ferris Jr. The ride took 40 people at a time, 264 feet into the air. They visited exhibits of inventors. They walked through life-sized ships made to look exactly like the Nina, the Pina, and the Santa Marie, the three ships Columbus sailed on. They saw moving pictures for the first time in the first ever movie theater. They rode moving walkways, and they watched Buffalo Bill Cody's Wild West show. There was also food. They had juicy fruit gum for the very first time, cream of wheat, cracker jacks, shredded wheat, and the blue ribbon bear. Of course, Dwight and Ira wanted to tell this large crowd about Jesus. So, Dwight talked to the circus at the fair. He would rent his tent in the morning, and then it would be empty in the evening for the circus. The ringmaster laughed at Dwight. With all of these things to see here, you think people are going to come and hear an uneducated man talk about God? You'll be lucky if ten people show up. You don't need a huge tent like this. But I'll take your money. Why not? The first morning, Dwight filled the whole tent. There wasn't a single empty seat. The ringmaster was shocked. That evening, less than half the tent was full for his circus. So the ringmaster offered to have Dwight come to his circus to speak so that he could have more people show up. Dwight politely declined. Jesus was not a circus act. For the whole fair, Dwight preached every morning to a full tent, and over 130,000 people heard him preach every single day. A year later, Dwight started a publishing company for Christian literature. It would eventually become known as the Moody Press, still operational today. For the next few years, Dwight preached in Atlanta, Georgia, and Boston. Then in 1899, D.L. Moody traveled to Kansas City, for a series of revival meetings, and during this time, while he was preaching, he became seriously ill. He returned home to be with his family. December 22, 1899, Dwight L. Moody passed away in his home with his family in Northfield, Massachusetts at the age of 62. Moody's legacy lives on through the Moody Bible Institute, which continues to train Christian leaders and the annual Northfield Bible Conference. In his lifetime, 
he traveled more than one million miles and he preached to more than a hundred million people. Cities would see a revival when he was there and the impact on the city was always seen in how the poor and needy were cared for by the church after he left. He preached in theaters, auditoriums, circus tents, and when people complained he was preaching outside of a church, he said, let us open so many preaching places and present the gospel so attractively that people will want to come and hear it. He founded three schools and a printing company. People called him Crazy Moody, but today we know him as D.L. Moody. He was one simple man who told God, I'm here, use me, I'll do whatever you ask of me. Next week, we're going to look at what was happening in Greece during this time period and how the church reclaimed a Muslim country for Christ. You won't want to miss that. 